What is up, my favorite plant people? It is Tuesday, May 26th, 2020, and I'm with you again for another episode of the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives and careers of some really cool plant and nature people. How's it going? Y'all hanging in there? I hope you are. Y'all, this is my last weekly episode for a while. If you'll remember, I went uh, from my normal twice a month or or uh, first and third Tuesday schedule to a weekly schedule during lockdown to give you all a little bit extra to listen to and to do. But starting in June, I'm going back to the normal thing. But you know what? That is okay because I'm starting a new podcast with my buddy Airfon, who was episode nine. If you haven't listened to that, go back, listen to Airfon's episode, episode nine. But we'll be starting the Jolly Green Scientists podcast, which will come out um June 9th, and it'll actually air every other week. So the week after Planthropology comes out, you'll get an episode of Jolly Green Scientist. It's going to be great. We're going to be talking about um, papers in horticulture and in entomology and how they relate to our lives and to your lives. And we're going to put it all in as jargon-free terms as possible. Also, Airfon is starting a second podcast called Talking Bugs, and I don't have a trailer for that to play for you, but it's going to be a really great show where he interviews um, entomologists, scientists from around the country, and uh, talks about bugs. So get ready for that. I'll drop a link whenever it's available, but uh, go follow Jolly Green Scientists wherever you get your podcasts. We're already on Apple and Spotify and all the places. Um, the next thing I want to mention, again, is our partner in podcasting, Pecan Ridge. Whether you're after pecans or pecan-flavored candy or gifts and other cool small business made things, check out PecanRidge.com. They'll ship all kinds of goodies right to your door. And if you use the promo code PLANTPEOPLE, all one word at checkout, you will get 10% off your order. All kinds of cool stuff. Go check them out. Y'all, today's episode, so cool, so funny, so awesome. You're going to love it. I have with me the creator and one of the admins from the Wild Green Memes for Ecological Fiends Facebook group, which as I sit here recording this, just passed 223,000 members. Nearly a quarter of a million people are in this group about ecological memes. And it's fantastic. It's so funny. It's like my favorite group on Facebook, maybe aside from the uh, Plant Apologies Cool Plant People group, which you should be in. But um, Rhett and Curtis and I actually, so Rhett, Rhett Barker is the creator. Curtis Zarkin is one of the admins. And uh, we actually recorded way back in March at uh, kind of the beginning of all of this lockdown craziness. And I had some technical difficulties because uh, apparently I don't know what I'm doing, and which you'll hear about in just a second in the episode. I don't want to spoil it. Uh, but these guys were gracious enough to re-record with me. We had a wonderful conversation um, about memes, y'all. We talked about memes for like an hour. It was great. Uh, but we also talked about ecology and education and being passionate about nature. Y'all, this is such a good episode, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Um Thanks for being with me. Thanks for always listening and for being so cool. Again, join the Facebook group. Do all the things. Um, saddle up your horses and get ready for another episode of the Planthropology Podcast with the dudes from Wild Green Memes for Ecological Fiends. All 
All right. Well, we are live for another episode of Planthropology. How are y'all doing today? I'm doing great. Good. So I'm here with uh, Brett Barker and Curtis Sarkin from uh, Wild Green Memes for Ecological Fiends. And uh, this is actually our second time recording this. We tried this, you know, what feels like two million years ago at the beginning <laughs> of the coronavirus lockdown. And um, I, I'm going to drop in a clip right here of what my voice sounded like on that recording. Uh, and my computer decided to have a stroke that day and was like, you know what? I'm going to make you sound like you're in witness protection. Yeah, so uh, prepare yourself for this. Sounds good. I am. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we're all working from home right now, so it's a uh, little bit of a, an adventure. And that's all you get. You're welcome. Action. So we're re-recording and going back through this, and I appreciate you guys being on with me. So, uh, how's life where you guys are? I'm doing great. It's uh, still locked down out here in Kansas, but it's. There's a lot of nature to go uh, hike in and herp in. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, lockdown also here in Massachusetts. Um, and luckily, they're not requiring masks in like wide open natural spaces, just the downtown district. So I can still go out to the uh, rivers and look for uh, salamanders and keep myself happy. <laughs> that's good well, and i've seen some of your uh, uh live streams of just like your live stream live streams um of you know going and looking for for stuff and yeah i'm glad that it, we're kind of the same way here and where i am in texas at least where they're encouraging masks but like if you're kind of by yourself in a state park or something it's not you yeah. know necessary yeah. if you're jogging or whatever um so i guess we'll start off if y'all will just Tell us a little bit about yourselves, um, your background, what you do, you know, outside of meme curation and dealing with 220,000 people on Facebook. Uh, so, like, yeah, what's what's your background? What do you do right now? Sure. I'm Rhett Barker. My background is wildlife ecology. I went to undergrad for that, and I'm currently a grad student for science and natural history film at Montana State, uh, master's in that. And um, that's my academic background. Uh, I founded the group Wild Green Memes for Ecological Fiends, uh, which is now a huge Facebook group about memes, silliness, and nature. Uh, it started out as just a group of me and a few of my friends and went viral from there, mostly among the wildlife enthusiast community. And it kind of has just continued to grow since then. Here we are. That's awesome. That's awesome. It, it's a lot of fun. And uh, a friend of mine, a friend of mine, invited me to like it or follow it or whatever several months ago, sometime last year. And it's just some of the funniest stuff that I see on the internet comes out of this group. Yeah. I'm Curtis Sarkin. I have a degree in uh, writing in natural history and cultural perspectives, which is a mouthful because it's a self-designed major from uh, University of Massachusetts, a cool program they do there, incorporating um, different fields. So mine focused on uh, anthro uh, biology and, as well as some, uh, some writing classes. Um, and uh, I have a background in teaching science education at uh, different uh, public centers and uh, whale watches and uh, vernal pool excursions. Um, so really uh, all across the board as far as uh, 
I'm, I'm much more of a generalist when it comes to uh to the biological sciences so um pretty much if it's native to uh the new england area and not a plant because i don't know plants very well i'm very sorry <laughs> that's okay um that, that's the stuff that i'm i'm good at uh IDing and educating about okay no that's awesome and, and so it sounds like um you know y'all both have a, a pretty interesting background in not just the ecology but like the communication and the instruction and the education in terms of, of ecology and i think that that melds well with what y'all do on the on the page so right you said it was just kind of a here's a thing I'm going to start with friends. Like what you may have already answered this a little bit, but like what, what made you want to start a meme page to begin with? Well, it was a few years ago. I was in, I went to the university of Florida for my undergrad. And a few years ago, there was a meme page there that was just for UF students. And it was about things on campus and they made fun of the president's uh, funny name, the president of the college's funny name (laughs) and lots, lots of things like that. And just some friends and I were thinking we'd really like to have that, but for wildlife. So I went ahead and threw it up and added, you know, a few of my ecology friends from college. And we sent back and forth memes about, uh, you know, wildlife and our professors and and very localized things, really. And um, mostly inside jokes amongst each other. (laughs) But it it seems like, interestingly, it seems like the more inside a joke is, the more people want to get it. So I I feel like maybe that started getting people to come on. And then uh, as far as the current, you know, fast growth goes, that started uh, two years ago when there was a trend of having moth memes everywhere on the (laughs) internet. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I I do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And we... uh, we did a decided to pull a prank on the which, page, which we often do. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so we uh, we added we only accepted moth memes for about a week for about five days and uh, waited for people to notice what was going on. There were about a thousand people in the group at this point, and that kind of started the page blowing up because it just became part of this bigger trend and people gradually caught on to the fact that there was nothing but moths on the page. <laughs> and then as they started to catch on to that, uh, we start, started to get increasingly ridiculous. Like we started to suggest that, that my brain had been taken over by a moth or that I was secretly <laughs> a moth. And, and we changed the cover photo of the page to a lamp once people caught on to that. And, um, it, it, it got, you know, kind of, <laughs> It kept, just kept taking off like that. And then once people started getting tired of it after, you know, four days, uh, we posted an announcement that the group had become infested with moths and that we needed to do a biological control to reduce the populations back to healthy levels. Um, so we asked everyone <laughs> to bring in bat memes and, and, and predatory <laughs> memes. And we just we still accepted a few moth memes, but we, we shifted it down until it was all bats and all other predators of moths. And that's how we, we ratcheted yeah. down the moth crisis. And it uh, it really never stopped growing after that. I remember the uh, the spider fans were a little ticked off that bats were getting all the credit, and, and same with like frog fans and anything else. My favorite moment from that era was when um, to announce that we were done with moth memes and returning to to uh, whatever you can call normal in a group or a crap posting group about uh, um, nature. Uh, is we changed the cover photo to a lamp that was turned off. <laughs> 
Well, and that's uh, and that's funny because you it's uh, this just just kind of hit me while you were talking. Is y'all are managing this weird online ecosystem, right? Where you're bringing in oh, yeah. like memes of mods, and then you've got predators and all these other things. So it's and like, evolution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Uh, there's it's that's really fascinating that. I don't know. I'm I'm just kind of sitting here processing through that, that it's like, it's about ecosystems and ecology, but it's its own ecosystem, like in and of itself. And that's just kind of crazy to think about. I came up with the word meme co-system, spelled <laughs> meme, and then co-system at the end to kind of describe uh, not just our group, but like the internet as a whole, because it does function like an ecosystem, like, like things are exchanged, um, things things evolve things die out things you have the lazarus taxon of the memes that you thought were dead 10 years ago <laughs> re-emerging ironically so yeah memes memes ecology isn't a good model for just like memes in general never mind memes about ecology yeah that's fascinating you get succession because then you get like people that have never seen them before and you bring mm-hmm. back you ironically bring back a meme from 10 years ago and all <laughs> the kids get- are like oh hey hey this is funny you get convergent evolution with people independently <laughs> coming up with the same meme idea. It's fascinating. And I'm it's like, which one do I approve? <laughs> <laughs> They're the same. It's the same thing. Um, so this may be a hard question to ask uh, or to answer a little bit, but do y'all have at this point um, like a favorite meme? Like, is there one or two that you've seen that you're like, this is just the funniest thing on the internet right now? I, I have one that always comes to mind just because it is so niche in nature or uh, yeah, niche um, uh, because it was, it was during our first charity battle, our annual fundraiser where those gang memes were really popular, where it was like, imagine being this terrible, this brought to you by the really cool gang. It was basically the format. Um, and somebody did one that said, Imagine needing lungs to breathe. This meme brought to you by Plethodon Gang. Plethodon's a genus of salamander, one of the most common salamanders in North America, <laughs> the little redback ones. Uh-huh. And they don't have lungs. They uh, use their skin and the moisture that they take in from their skin um, as uh, their way of breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that's fascinating. The fact that somebody made that meme would probably got like 15 likes. Right. I don't remember, but it was that niche. And I was like, that had that, that Captain America Wizard of Oz moment where I understood that reference. <laughs> and it's just like, I just loved the obscurity of it. Like that meme is never going to be on the front page of Know Your Meme or become a, a, a trend in and of itself. But I just, I just loved let's make a joke about the fact that we have lungs and the salamander can live just fine without them. <laughs> yeah. It's so specific. It's so exactly. specific. And yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. Like you said, the, the inside joke makes people like want to be in the club, right? Yeah. Like the, oh yeah. Uh, what was, about you, Rhett? Do you have a favorite? Uh, I have a few. I really like speaking of moth memes. One of the original moth memes was a comic. I don't know who made it, but it was of a sailor that was also a moth and he was driving the boat and one of the crew said, sir, we're going to crash into the lighthouse. And he goes, hell yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I really liked that one. I I laughed at that one really hard. And then there was, um, there was another one that came through a while ago and it was, 
I mean, it was everywhere on the internet right afterwards. I'm not sure if it started with us or just with what was with us, you know, the first time I saw it, but it was, it's, there's a Lord of the Rings meme where it takes, there's Frodo at one point says, all right, then keep your secrets. And people have taken that still shot with the like captioning uh-huh. and they add on all kinds of other situations at the top. And then that's the response to it. So it's like, I'm not going to tell you the answer. And then he goes, all right, then keep your secrets is the basic formula of that mm-hmm. meme. And uh, someone redid it. So it said, when you find out that 90% of ocean life is undiscovered, and then it has Frodo, but he's on a coral reef and he has like a mask and a snorkel. And he says, all right, then keep your sea crits like your sea critters. <laughs> one of my favorite variations of one of my favorite variations of those was what does a leaf bug look like? And it just shows a bunch of leaf bu- bugs camouflaged. And Frodo's going, all right, then keep your sea crits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many. And it it like... One of the things that I've been struck by, uh, especially more recently in the group, is how quickly things evolve. Like, it's just like every day. Like, if you're not paying attention every day, you are you are left behind sometimes. So, okay, there's I've got two things I kind of want to discuss. But the first thing I want to just – let's talk olives. All right, let's talk about olives because a few months ago, and if and if you're out there, I know a lot of my listeners uh, follow this this group or they're in this group, and so th- they'll probably get it. But um, I remember waking up one day and kind of like the mods, I'm scrolling through and every meme is an olive, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> and like I pay attention, like I'm in it every day. So okay, let's how how did olive start? Let's talk about these olive memes. And I know y'all did a podcast on this not too long ago on uh, Wild Green Streams, but I just like to discuss it real briefly again. So how did where did that come from? I think that's you, Curtis. Oh okay, all right. <laughs> um, it started in a hilarious Facebook group called um, I don't remember exactly how it's phrased, but I think it's I just know I'll die petting something I shouldn't. And it's all about really wanting to pet different creatures, mostly dangerous ones, but also just things you probably shouldn't pet. Um, And somebody posted uh, in the group, um, do do, uh, dolphins feel like olives? I've never touched one. My boyfriend thinks that they feel hairy because they're mammals. And somebody screenshotted that because it's a, a fantastically ridiculous question. Brought yeah. it into our group, and um, and everyone thought it was the funniest thing ever. So they start. So I I took um the meme format of like going back to Diogenes the philosopher saying that responding to Plato saying that humans are featherless bipeds by presenting a plucked chicken as this is a man because it has no feathers and it's a biped. Right. So I made a meme along those lines of um, finding a dolphin, uh, fi- uh, p- posting a picture of your typical black olive, just some shutterstock photo um, and labeling all the parts that made it a dolphin. Um, so it has the blowhole where the part of the pit came out, um, coastal, um, salty, rubbery, um floats like i don't remember all the details i had but basically these are all the things that make an olive a dolphin then 
it went crazy where people are posting olives or dolphins and olive dolphins <laughs> dolphins are olives um and just on and on and on and all these permutations and uh got so people are submitting like crazy so many of like the convergent evolutions or or what the simpsons fans call a harrison or a, a meme that uh has been done before so it's not a repost but it's an idea that everyone had so everyone's making martinis with dolphins swimming in them that Mm -hmm. was like probably the most common one and some like james bond variants along those lines um so it's just getting flooded flooded with these memes about olives being dolphins and dolphins being olives and them being indistinguishable um and that was the meme i was getting so many notifications um, and so many uh, post requests. That was the meme that made me delete Facebook from my phone. <laughs> Just from my phone. I still used it on the computer. And it took a pandemic so I could live stream and show people cool nature who were right. in lockdown for me to reinstall it. <laughs> but I can't, like, I can't imagine it. Because, you know, at that time, I bet there were probably, what, 160,000 members, maybe a little bit more Something than that. like that. Yeah. At and- least 150. And, and like everyone is like, oh, I can come up with something funnier. And they're all the same, right? At some point, they're all the same meme that are. That there was are some out. brilliant stuff. There was some really funny stuff. Um, but there were also like a really funny idea that everyone had. Right. So just right. the sheer volume of the same joke was a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then at some point during this pandemic, all these like goofy fake. Uh, news articles started coming out like, you know, dolphins are returning to the the canals in Venice. Nature is healing. And that's turned into a whole other thing, too. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I saw one with um, Emperor Palpatine. I've Guilty. seen some. With, that was you, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for Star Wars uh, Day. There have been, like, alligators and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, that yeah. one was funny. I sent that to, like, all my friends. I was like, you've got to see this. And they somebody, were like, somebody said that that's explained about as well as it is in episode nine. And I was like, <laughs> no, exactly. It may be explained better in yeah. your meme. <laughs> but yeah, of course, uh, there was one of the most popular memes when that whole uh, feel good fake article about um, dolphins in the canals of Venice was going around was somebody made it with olives floating around <laughs> the canals. And Rhett, you, uh, you had started talking about um, how many olives might actually be in the canals seeing that it's actually italy oh true yeah there's got to be some kind of uh some kind of rate at which they go in to to rate at which they go out and i bet right now they actually have a record low number of olives in their canals because <laughs> there's no restaurants open <laughs> uh, there, there's probably there's probably like some master's research in that somewhere some poor grad student will die trying to get olives out of the, the memes or the, out of the uh, canals in venice i bet there's um, less olives in the canals now than there's been in a thousand years or so <laughs> <laughs> na- na- nature is healing <laughs> that's all so that that actually brings up an interesting point um y'all have put together a pretty good team i think of people to moderate this uh, this incredibly large group. What is that even like? How do you, because I know a question that I see that pops up a lot um, or that I've seen a couple of times pop up is how do you pick what, what makes it? How do you pick what gets on the page? So if you're at, if someone's out there listening and they're like, I have the best meme that's ever been memed and I'm going to submit it to Walgreen memes. Like what's your, what's your criteria for what goes on the page? 
Uh, basically, it's in the name is what we tell people. It's got to be wild, so it can't be a domestic animal. Uh, sometimes we go through domestic plants if it's like a gardening related thing, but uh-huh. gen- in general, it's got to be you know wildlife. Uh, it has to be uh, green, so it can't be uh, anti conservation or something like that, or or <laughs> it, or it has to also be you know pro science, and then it it um has to be a meme or a joke of some kind uh for monday through saturday we we only let through funny posts we don't let through like say pictures of a cool animal uh even if it's really cool um on sundays we change the rules a bit so we let through memes and we also let through discussion posts and pictures people have taken themselves or talking about projects they're doing sometimes uh but uh that's a special sunday thing it becomes almost a whole other group then sure well, and if and if you're out there listening and you want to find like some really cool ecology and nature accounts to follow, wait for the Sunday like social media mega thread that that comes up every Sunday because like people will share their Instagrams and Twitters and stuff like that, and it's mostly photographers and conservationists and stuff. And um, like I almost right during quarantine, I almost like uh, measure my week by the social media mega. Oh my god, it's Sunday again. Yep. Because time has pretty much lost its meaning right now. I was like, I was like, oh, today is Thursday because yesterday somebody posted the Wednesday frog. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an on, it's like a weird online calendar. Yeah, it's like my, my calendar for some time was like it might it was Tuesday, but maybe not because of the crab meme. Wednesday frog <laughs> and turnip day in Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and Animal Crossing has been a big thing lately, too. I've seen a lot of Animal Crossing on that page. Uh, I don't, so I don't actually have a Switch. So I've never played Animal Crossing. And like, so all my friends have them and they're all talking about it. I'm like, cool. Do you want to play Warzone? And they're like, no, that's stupid animals and turnips. Like, okay, fine. <laughs> um, it's the perfect escapism for the, for the time. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So I want to switch gears just a little bit. Um, so we we've talked a little bit before, I guess last time we spoke, um, kind of about y'all's bigger mission uh, with this page and with this group. And um, I know part of that is like science communication related. Some part of that is like uh, getting people interested in nature related. But what what are your goals? What are you really trying to achieve through this funny, hilarious, ridiculous meme group? So originally we weren't really trying to achieve anything. We were just making jokes, but actually there are a few benefits to this page uh, that as of actually in between when we spoke last and now have, there's been some research published backing this up. Uh, but there was a study that came out of Poland that showed using a, uh, a meme about proboscis monkeys. It showed that you can actually take an uncharismatic animal um Actually, I should explain the difference there. So the charismatic megafauna, charismatic animals, or animals and, and even plants, charismatic megaflora, I think would be trees, right. um, that people like a lot and they tend to support conserving them because they think they're cute or they're awe-inspiring or they think they're pretty or interesting in some way. Uh, but then the vast majority of wildlife, until you really look at it or until you gain an appreciation for it, is uncharismatic it's not it doesn't have you know the it doesn't look like a baby like a koala does it doesn't you know you can't most trees you can't drive your your car through like a sequoia Um, right so so that's a problem for conservation if we're going to be driven entirely by or mostly by what people like 
um, because so much of life just hinges on what people think of it now. Uh, and a potential solution to at least part of that problem, it turns out to be memes. Because uh, this study in Poland came out where there was a meme that trended where they used proboscis monkeys, which are these monkeys with enormous noses that they like cover half yeah. their face. These noses. Like and it, yeah, right. They're exactly like Squidward <laughs> if he was a monkey. And uh, they are in some ways very charismatic already because they're goofy looking like they're silly but uh historically based on the attention they've been getting from people and what people tend to think about them when they first learn they exist they are kind of the definition of uncharismatic fauna um they got those big honking noses um so this meme trend in poland got tracked by these scientists and what they found is that the meme trend changed a formerly uncharismatic animal into a charismatic one it suddenly had the same attention and an uh, as say a panda or a rhino which it never had before and even there had been efforts on social media by conservation organizations to raise its profile through educational posts and by being enthusiastic about them um, and none of those they just paled in comparison to what a meme trend putting them on funny pictures talking about daily life with captions did and that even increased the amount of money going to proboscis monkeys and people who liked the meme and liked them because they liked to make jokes about them were suddenly paying money to help save them in their natural habitats so there is actually an enormous benefit potentially to memes as another avenue to spread conservation and to spread enthusiasm about animals that typically wouldn't get attention or would only get negative attention. Like within our group, an example of that would be brown recluse spiders, uh, which have been lots and lots of jokes about them uh, and a number of other species, really almost everything that comes through the group uh could be in some way considered uncharismatic and through being <laughs> memeified and being just enthused about for so long by so many people, I think that it has the potential to raise the profile on some of these underrecognized species. Yeah, that's that's so fascinating. And I'll I'll try to find that paper and link it in the in the show notes. But you know, that's so true. And even you know, more than just the things that are cute and all of that, which, you know, I, I totally get that. By the way, if if it's not already charismatic, Megafauna would be such a great band name. Oh, uh, it really would. But, um, like, you watch nature documentaries, like anything on, on Nat Geo or the Discovery Channel or whatever, and, and it's kind of the same story, right? Like, let's let's do a, um, a documentary about elephants and tigers and, and chimps and things like that. And, and all that's important, right? Like, it's not that that's not of important. Course. But when you really start thinking about ecosystem biology and ecology and all of those things, every piece of the puzzle's important, from you know proboscis monkeys to you know zooplankton and kind of everything in between. So it's really uh, that's really just a fascinating concept that this is almost the uh, the I don't know the I don't know what the right way to say this is like gorilla ecology, like like not gorilla, like gorilla. I love that. Uh, um, where. You can almost, and and I've said this a long time in education. I, you know, I've I've been in education for years, but people learn so much better, and they care so much more if they're laughing, right? If they are enjoying what you're talking to them about, and so like, uh, if you can take something that is, you know, not the not the sexiest animal or whatever, or the most you know fascinating, big flashy animal, and and make it funny and make it cool, then then people might care. That's really cool. 
Yeah, I'm uh, really excited about how well this works. I, I think that, especially because like I've spent the last two years getting a master's degree essentially in how do we get people to care about nature? Like, how do we communicate with people? How do we make films? Uh, and uh, maybe a bit ironic that this isn't a film, but it's really exciting to me to see that there is another pathway opening up to reach people and that people are so enthusiastic about it. Yeah, and that and that tells almost the the bigger story of science communication today. Uh, uh, you know, if you're on Twitter, and I don't, I think I said this, I said say this a lot on the show. I really don't like Twitter. I really don't. <laughs> it stresses me out. It gives me like I can't like I can spend five minutes on Facebook and you know see funny memes and stuff, and then like I spend five minutes on Twitter and I'm like I've got to go take a nap. I'm tired. This is exhausting. But there's a real strong SciCom sci community there, and and I think that like you say, there's almost a new way of approaching this kind of media and a new way of approaching this kind of um, effort in general. Um, okay, so I'm looking at my list. Uh, so let's talk about, um, uh, Curtis, you mentioned the, the charity battle, uh, and and I think y'all have just started a nonprofit or you're in the process, right? Um, it, so, it, we just got the paper saying it's official. Oh, that's exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. That's so cool. That's a lot of work. I I, yeah. I did that in college. I started. I helped start a nonprofit in college, and it is so much work. <laughs> yeah, that was that yeah. was all rat. <laughs> no, that's yeah. awesome. So yeah, so talk about your your charity efforts a little bit. So uh, starting actually just after the moth memes, we were thinking about ways that we could use this newly pretty big we thought group for good. It had about ten thousand members at the time. And we are friends with most of the people who run the page actually are my friends from college. Um, the, the two ways to become a mod of wild green memes are to be my friend from college or to make a really cool cover photo and be Curtis Sarkin. Um, and the, um, the very specific. And we all knew about this uh, wildlife reserve in uh, Florida that one another friend who's not a mod uh, runs is near Gainesville. And it's it's an upland habitat. It's it's kind of this, you know, you're talking about gorilla conservation. This is the same kind of thing as these people who have have pulled together this incredible wildlife preserve just by their bootstraps. And they, it's, it's all run by volunteers uh, and they just live out on this preserve and and are saving all this habitat and helping all these animals. And we were trying to think of ways to help them do more and to help them. Be, you know, become big and become more sustainable. And uh, we landed on using the page to fundraise for them, and which is kind of an, an easy leap. But then the way that sure. we did it is that we we fully incorporated the memes of the day. So that that was right around the time that those gang memes that Curtis was talking about earlier were coming into style. Uh, so we started using people's inherent rivalries between there's a rivalry between people who like birds and people who like reptiles and amphibians and between people who like plants and people who like animals these, these right. fun rivalries that people are always kind of you know digging into why their their subject or their animal of interest or creature of interest is most interesting or the funnest and we 
pitted them against each other by making a fundraiser a competition between these groups so we had you know we had herpetology gang and we had uh bird gang and and you know plant the plant um leafy, leafy boys. boys yeah yeah leafy boys right. for life and and, and a, a million other different groups so it was, i think it came out to like 16 or something and uh we made a competition to see who could raise the most money for each given group. So it turned out to be Herp Gang uh, two years in a row now because they're just, they just won't quit. Uh, but, and people would make these gang memes to promote it. And it becomes this, this event that everyone in the group participates in, whether they're in a place to donate or not. And they all make these memes about why their group is the best and it's all fun and all these jokes against each other. And it raises a pretty large amount of money because people get so into it. Um, and we were able to, to really help Ashton. That's the wildlife preserve is Ashton biological preserve. We were really able to help them out. Um, so that was, that was kind of our first big foray into nonprofit work and fundraising and really our nonprofit that we have now is, is an extension of those fundraisers and of that work. Uh, so we're using that, uh, that formula, we're using the, those gang wars that we do every year, the charity battle, uh, to raise money for multiple charities now. And the easiest way to do that is to have our own nonprofit and distribute the money afterwards. Um, so we're going to uh, – we're actually going to use this money. We're expecting, you know, knock on wood, to get about $20,000 this year, between twenty dollars and $40,000. Sure. And we're going to uh, use that money, uh, one – to give out micro loans that's low interest or zero interest loans to nonprofits that need them for certain projects. Like for instance, um, a wildlife preserve that we know spends $6,000 on energy a year, but they could for $10,000 solar panels, they could have that all their power be free. Um, and, what we're going to do is we're going to give them a loan for, to get those solar panels and then they're just going to pay us back by their power bill until it pays it off. And then after that, their power bill goes away. Um, huh. So so we get it's to really give that cool. money out again after they pay it back to us and they save you know tens of thousands of dollars over the life of those solar panels. Uh, so that's the first thing we want to do. Um, the second thing is that there are a lot of people out there that are experts and very passionate about a given subject matter in a small or, you know, a li- not necessarily small, but limited issue. Like it has bounds to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to find people like that who, but who don't have an organization. And it, like you said, it's a pain to start your own organization. Um, and sometimes it can be hard to find one that does exactly the thing that you want to work on or that, um, already is working on it. So we're going to find people who are currently uh, kind of organizationally homeless, but doing good work. Like we know a guy who grows like 150 milkweed plants a year right now, just in the corner of a greenhouse, someone lets him use. Uh, and the milkweed is, is vital to monarchs, uh, yeah. to, to, to the monarch migration as, as plantropology people, I'm sure already know. <laughs> um, and we're going to um, give him some funding and support to scale that up uh, basically as much as he can to maybe maybe like 5,000 plants this year uh, and distribute them all around central Florida where he is, um, where, the, with the, where the species he works with are native. Sure. Um, and then the third thing we do, um, this is smaller funding wise, but also important, is that uh, I feel like actually this is pretty much true for anyone who knows a lot about one subject, is you notice that 
despite their best efforts, the news tends to get it wrong. Uh, yeah, and yeah. <laughs> it, it's not, it's not that they're bad at their jobs or anything. It's that it's, it's a very, you know, nuanced topic and it's hard to understand it. And, you know, the level of detail because they have to deal with everything on earth. Um, so we're going to make, and something that we've noticed is that especially for uncharismatic fauna, there's this weird feedback loop where it's uncharismatic. So people don't know about it. So journalists also don't know about it. And a there's lot of the time, a lot of misinformation going around from not people not liking it. Right, exaggerating right. like that snakes will chase you, or that every spider is <laughs> a brown recluse and every bee is a murder hornet. <laughs> right. So, so as a means of uh, combating that that feedback loop, we want we're going to make these information sheets about common misconceptions about wildlife, and say for snakes, we're going to make an information sheet for every region of the country, and we're going to send that to every media agency and every newspaper in the country, and we'll be able to hopefully we'll we'll just find a, you know a set out of the like six thousand uh, news channels and similar number of newspapers, we'll find a set of of them that are interested in that information. Um, and A, they'll have that resource there, but B, we can be a resource after that to them to direct them to, to experts when they have a story related to pythons in the Everglades. They can find someone to ask if it's, you know, legitimate that there's a 40 foot python there or, huh. uh, you know, next time there's a murder hornet, um, <laughs> there'll be, there'll be a better source of information for them to go to than a pest control company to ask, you know, is this a legitimate threat or what's the scope of this problem? That's so cool. And that's such a great vision. And I think that, you know, just thinking about what I've done in the past with the extension service and some different stuff, I think you, you'll you find a lot of uh, groups and agencies and, and people in each state and each region that would be, you know, that would love to partner with you on stuff like that. I'm sure you can find industry and educational partners and stuff that would be like, yeah, let us let us help you with our resources and all that. That's really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Partnerships are kind of our plan for how to do this because we're we're still going to be a very small nonprofit in the scope sure. of things. But we're trying to kind of punch outside our weight class by working with people and uh, through that loan program because that allows us to reuse some of the money. Yeah, that's really cool. That's such a great idea. Such a great. That's a, a great mission. I love that a lot. So um, just we'll start kind of wrapping up a little bit. Um, so Curtis, you've kind of become like the king of wild green memes, Patreon recently, I think. And, uh, so if, if you don't know what, if you're not a, a patron, you, you should be, uh, Curtis will, um, make a meme with the organization or this, I'm sorry, the organism of your choice. I chose blobfish, um, last, I guess that was this week, but t- again, time doesn't mean it was anything, two days ago. That was, it was 20 years week. ago. <laughs> Like, what year is it? Um, yeah, that was literally two days ago. Um, and then I got a uh, another perk was I got an alligator named after me. So Vikram Balligator is out there somewhere uh, doing its thing. Um, so again, the, the Patreon rewards are cool. Uh, you can get in for as little as a dollar, I think. Or uh, is mm-hmm. that right? It's still dollars the first tier. Yep. Okay. Um, so the question I want to ask you, since you are in the meme making business, is how do you make the perfect meme? I think the perfect ecology meme is to take a pre-existing meme format 
or funny screenshot from a TV show, movie, video game, and think, that's funny on its own. How could I apply it to an ecological concept? Um, there's a really good one. I want to say it's from the uh, uh, Great British Bake Off um, okay. of like this guy's describing um, making a, uh, a cake that turned out terribly. And he's like, started making it, had a breakdown. That's, <laughs> that's, that's it. And uh, Leroy, one of the uh, other mods, sent me that one in response to me giving up on making a meme about <laughs> coral reefs. And I was like, well, that's funny in and of itself. How could I make apply that to coral reefs? Because we're doing our themed month and it was coral reef month. And I was like, what a cor coral reefs are making this calcium carbonate structure while struggling with ocean acidification. So I, I captioned it like corals crustaceans and mollusks struggling to create calcium carbonate structures <laughs> while ocean acidification uh, increases and it's still just the same image of some guy saying starting and started making it had a breakdown so it goes back to like what Rhett was saying with the secrets meme where it's just like <laughs> fine I, I kind of I feel like either familiarity of like a format or a screenshot really lends itself um to to memes and like um i don't know so so often i'll just see something um or then you can have the inverse where you have a screenshot from like an attenborough documentary um and then you think how could i apply this to everyday life where it's just like i don't know um this ape is struggling to build tools might be the <laughs> caption and it's like me trying to build my first lego set i don't know i just gotcha where okay i i think fine fine i find i think building a meme from scratch is pretty impossible it needs to be um or like the one i made for for you at the blobfish uh -huh. it's like that whole glow up kind of thing of like <laughs> be careful who you called ugly in middle school and i did like what blobfish actually look like and what right. they, the popular image of a blobfish at at sea level pressure after being dredged up 2000 feet look looks yeah. like so and with that one it was I was trying to make it informative as well because the majority of people who know what a blobfish is think it looks like this gelatinous gross thing yeah. when that it's basically the equivalent of like if you were to chuck a human into the vacuum of space aliens might be like look at how weird humans look <laughs> <laughs> well and and you know in the comments of that that meme um there was a lot of like real education that went oh on, yeah right? people are like, like really like solid yeah. education yeah i learned i learned that i initially used the wrong species of blobfish <laughs> and that there are several types <laughs> and ended up revising your beam as a result because i said we strive for accuracy even when we're making memes that's important. Anytime, I I, anytime important. I get a weird meme, I was just learning about the. Um, you probably know what it's called. I don't remember the the tree that explodes, like dynamite tree or something. Oh yeah, uh, I can't. I can't remember offhand what that's called. All again. You know. So I uh, looked it up, and that tree is called the sandbox tree or the dynamite tree in the Spurge family. And the scientific name is Hira crepitans, and it is as bonkers as advertised.
I'll drop it into a clip. Yeah, I got I got a meme about it, and I'm like, there is no way this thing is real. I they totally must have didn't mi- believe in that. They must have misread the article, and I looked it up, and every last aspect that was described on there of this tree whose seeds explode when they fall and launch at 150 miles an hour, <laughs> and then you have a scene from some Mario YouTube video of Mario going, God, I have a question. (laughs) Why? (laughs) So, like, exactly the same. They took that screenshot. God, I have a question. Why? No idea what it's from. Just some guys just as the Mario brothers on YouTube. it didn't even matter. (laughs) Uh, And then they're like, how can I apply that to an ecological concept? Or they saw the the dynamite tree meme, and then they're like, what's a good meme format to tack on to this? So it's this mix and match of finding that balance between a format that exists on its own devoid of ecology or an ecological concept that you can relate to as a human being living your life. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I saw that one. I, that one made me laugh pretty hard. The dynamite. Yeah, I, I didn't I approve it for quite some time. And then because it was a it was a it was a recurring repost. And I was finally like, all right, I'm going to take five minutes and learn if this is real. <laughs> and it was, and it was fascinating. And nature's insane and plants are underrated. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Yeah, 10 of 10. You just went over my audience. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the last thing I want to ask y'all, and this is for both of you, um, is, you know, y'all are both ecologists. You both kind of work and have studied in the industry. But um, for for someone out there listening that's like, a, a budding ecologist or a budding naturist or just someone that wants to be, um, you know, wants to know more about nature and the ecosystem and just how everything works. Where would you start? What's your piece of advice on, on how to get into it? So like we're for a kid, a, a kid or a, you know, a high school student, or even, even someone who in, like, you know, I, I have a friend that, um, it kind of grew up in the city and, and spent most of their lives, you know, through college and everything in a city. And then later in life, into their mid late twenties, I mean, I think somewhere in there, they, they moved out to a more rural kind of area. And for the first time in their lives, they really had the opportunity to go like actually see nature at like 27 years old. And so uh, like, where, where do you start? How do you even get into, into finding nature? Join wild green memes. no i'm just kidding just kidding uh yeah no there's there's two things i'd recommend uh especially uh one okay so there's how do you learn more in a fun way and there's how do you get into actually doing things and the how do you learn more in a fun way i would recommend this book that's actually just called animal and the cover of it is it's uh, a mandrill, which is the type of baboon that Rafiki is in The Lion King. Right. And I had this book growing up and I spent, I don't know, probably a month of my life flipping through the pages on it. It's this, it's, it's this huge encyclopedia with all these beautiful pictures and really weird facts. And you can find all kinds of I mean, you can just find any animal in it almost, it feels like. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of gives you the boundlessness of biodiversity. And it doesn't even, obviously, it doesn't even come close to encompassing everything. But that book is the best I've ever seen at capturing just the love of nature and the love of uh, the nerdiness and love of the specific weird things uh, and beautiful things that are out there, uh, animal-wise. And then... Uh, as far as getting involved with ecology or conservation, uh, short of 
going to college for it, what I would recommend is that almost every region has a nature reserve or has an outdoor club or has some kind of volunteer slash hiking slash, you know, exploring group. And I would recommend going on Facebook and just looking for those groups and you can go out and you'll find some stuff you never thought you would do, but you'll find out is really fun. Like in, for instance, in Florida, where I'm originally from, you'll probably wind up planting longleaf pine trees because that's a that's a rare habitat that's been you know degraded and and reduced but now is expanding again as conservation efforts work or you'll pull out invasive plants or you'll go and if you live on the coast you can do hikes on the beach and look for sea turtles that are nesting and and, or uh for horseshoe crabs that are nesting which are this incredible primitive animal that's related to spiders actually not crabs and you'll that that is actually vital and really useful work for conservation that you can do and it gets you out into nature and it and it's fun it's just a it's a win-win-win so those are the two things that i would recommend there awesome uh curtis do you have anything to add to that i think red phrased it really well i mean i was gonna say uh start locally um i mean even if you're in a city that doesn't have as many like untamed natural spaces, there are museums, there are zoos, there are aquariums, um, that even if you, there aren't any openings, um, for internships or volunteer positions, they're at least a great resource to, uh, learn from once they start reopening. <laughs> um, right. but, uh, yeah. Um, our security question is, uh, to make sure that it's not robots joining our group is what is your favorite natural space? And I'm always just a little saddened when somebody says I've never been to one because mm-hmm. it kind of makes me think both of it's just sad to me that not everyone has seen a uh, what they consider a natural space, but also that in my opinion, every space on earth is a natural space. Like even if you're in a city that has an ecosystem, I mean, it might be a lot of, uh, feral and invasive, uh, animals, but still there isn't, there's an, there's an ecology happening, um, in everywhere. There's ecology happening in, in, uh, in the corner of your shower, if you're not staying on top of it with, uh, with a little little patch of mold there's a i mean there's i mean there, you, your body's an ecosystem like sure. i don't know you we've all been you there there's no one on earth who hasn't experienced a natural place in some right. way no, that's awesome. That's awesome. And then that's so true that just, just find nature where you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not in your shower too much, but you know, <laughs> if that's where you got to start, then that's where you start. I mean, a little bit of, a <laughs> little bit of a mold on the ceiling or maybe just a nice friendly spider. Yeah. Yeah. They're not so oh, an- Another way to get started is to download the app iNaturalist oh, absolutely. onto yeah. your phone and just walk around outside and take pictures of any living thing you see. And the app has a machine learning program and also a bunch of ag- volunteer experts on it that'll identify whatever you took a picture of um, and tell you what it is. And I find that once you know what something is, it becomes a lot more real to me anyway. Uh, and it's a lot more interesting. You start kind of seeing how things work. So that's another that's another uh, fun game you can play uh, to go go learn about nature and be in it. 
Yeah, it's like sure. real life Pokemon. <laughs> build, build, build your Pokedex and like it does not stop at a few hundred. It's yeah. No, I I naturalist is really life. cool. Yeah, I I naturalist is really cool. So, well, guys, thanks so much for being on with me again for a second time. I think this was really great. Um, you know, I'll, I'll link the group and everything. But where else can we find you? Uh, plug your stuff. Okay, you can find our group at uh, the link in the description. You can also find our podcast, which is Wild Green Streams for Ecological Fiends. Streams, not memes. And you can find that on by searching that on Facebook or on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or SoundCloud. Uh, we're also on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, our handle on all of those is at Wild Green Memes. That's memes with an M. Awesome. Yep, and awesome. uh, Vikram will be a guest on our podcast in an upcoming episode. So we awesome, did a little yeah. uh, cross pollination or crossover. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to start. Call- That's actually perfect. I'm going to start calling any like uh, uh, promotion I do with other podcasts cross pollination. I take that. Um, guys, thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us on. Y'all be sure to go follow Wild Green Memes for Ecological Fiends. It is currently Wild Green Memes Coral Reef Month uh, for the month of May, which is actually like another couple of days. But we'll see what the next one is. I don't know yet. We'll find out soon. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. You can find us in all the places online, Instagram, Facebook, the Twitter space. Uh, look for Planthropology. It's Anthropology with a PL slapped on the front. Look for the green background with the white tree, and that'll be us. Come join our group. Be in Planthropology's cool plant people. Uh, we have lots of great memes and discussions. Uh, actually, I steal most of the memes from Wild Green Memes, but can be a part of it. We love having more folks. Um, thanks again to the Texas Tech Department of Plant and Soil Science for letting me do this thing. Uh, if you want to support the show, hit us up on patreon.com slash planthropology we will see you next week and then again two weeks after that don't forget to subscribe to jolly green scientists and get ready for the trailer for Irfan vafi's other new podcast talking bugs which starts right now entomology the study of the little six-legged critters that most people don't pay attention to my name is Erfan Vafai with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension. And starting June 16th, we're going to learn a bit about a different entomologist every two weeks and discuss some of their most recent research. This is Talking Bugs. People knew, in terms of ecology, we knew a lot about predators, we knew a lot about parasitoids, we knew very little about what pathogens were doing in the natural environment. Looks like it's just a cloud of bees. They have this emerging property of in combined intelligence that tells them exactly how they should operate. Uh, If you've read Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park, you know you want to be able to turn it off. You know, you want a safety lever in case something something goes wrong, and that was me. I was working on a safety lever. You can actually get them to survive in liquid helium, which is (laughs) minus 260 (laughs) degrees, which is, you know... Uh, 180 degrees colder than has ever been recorded anywhere on the planet. You can do this, you just have to persevere. And so if it wasn't for Tim Dennehy, I'm, I'm quite sure I would not be sitting here today. Subscribe to this podcast or follow the YouTube channel Six-Legged Aggie to hear the most recent episodes as they are released.